Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. KQED Public Radio in San Francisco. I'm Michael Krasny. San Jose, the Bay Area's largest city, is grappling with multiple challenges such as homelessness, businesses closing, and the coronavirus pandemic that is hitting the Latino population hard. We'll talk with Mayor Sam Licardo about how the city is tackling those issues and more. Then, a new report by California Office of the Inspector General has found lax enforcement of mask requirements in California's prisons. This despite the fact that 86 prison inmates and staff have died of COVID-19. The report followed a court ruling last week finding that San Quentin State Prison officials acted with deliberate indifference to the health of inmates during the pandemic. And we'll get the latest on prisons and COVID. That's all next after this news. Welcome to this morning's forum. I'm Michael Krasny. San Jose Mayor Sam Licardo joins us to discuss how his city is faring as the coronavirus pandemic wears on. Last week, the city unveiled the first of three emergency housing projects with 78 rooms to provide shelter for homeless people. Meanwhile, the city emerged as an economic bright spot in September by adding 9,000 jobs, but close to half of the city's downtown businesses remain shuttered. Coronavirus cases in Santa Clara County have steadily declined since peaking in late July. About 58% of confirmed cases are among Latinos, even though that group only makes up 26% of the county's residents. We're going to talk with Sam Licardo about ongoing efforts to suppress coronavirus, tackle homelessness, and rebuild the local economy. And if you have questions for San Jose's mayor, we invite you to join us. How do you think the Bay Area's biggest city is faring? And well, how is it faring, particularly amid the pandemic? In fact, we're trying to link up with Mayor Licardo now. So if you have questions, and particularly if you have responses to that question I posed, how do you think the Bay Area's biggest city is faring amid the pandemic? We certainly would like to hear from you, and you can join us now at our toll-free number. The number to call is 866-733-6786. Again, please join us now. And if you not only have questions for the mayor, but if you have some thoughts about how the city is faring or concerns about where the city is going and you'd like to express them, now would be a really good time to call us, trying to connect with Les San Licardo. Again, the number to call, 866-733-6786. You can also, of course, get in touch with us right now on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum. Or email any questions or comments you might have to forum at kqed.org. And we are going to concentrate with Mayor Licardo when we connect with him, particularly on homelessness to a great degree, because there's been a lot that's been going on in the city. Uh, and let me just uh, mention a few things that are happening while we're trying to connect with Mayor Licardo. There are three sites that are being essentially 
put forward to uh, house the unsheltered, to find places for uh, the homeless. And there are going to be right now 300 units that will be built in pretty short order. Um, uh, they're going to be built rather quickly, and uh, we're talking about four to six months. And uh, I just want to give a little background on that because it's it's really fascinating to find out how this has moved as quickly as it has. Normally, it takes uh, well about years. In fact, in many cases, when you have to get through CEQA uh, reviews, and which the governor suspended in this case, we've got a timeline here. In other words, that is. Uh, very quick, and the building codes have been waived. Uh, a lot of red tape has been waived, and uh, so these sites are going up. One of the things that is of concern, though, to many of the residents in San Jose, and I hope we can get into this with Mayor Licardo, is there were trailers that were set aside, and that was something that just really didn't work. There were sewage problems. There was lack of power, fires. Um, they were delivered initially in, in pretty poor shape, uh, but there was a shutdown of them, and there were all kinds of lack of, uh, I should say, there were many who expressed concern about lack of transparency and lack of accountability. So some of you, particularly who are familiar with that whole process, may want to weigh in here now uh, while we wait to connect with Mayor Licardo. Uh, David Nettemeyer, who is the founder of a group that's prepared to sue uh, the city uh, on the basis of uh, some of the homeless shelters that are being built, their concerns are with crime and what they call nuisances. Um, and uh, the residents, uh, about a thousand of them, are, are saying that uh, this is being done too quickly. It's too long term. Uh, it doesn't really um, spell success. And it's going to be a recipe for disorder. So some of you may indeed want to weigh in on this. Do we have Mayor Licardo? Sam Licardo? Are you Hello, there? Michael. Hi. Hi, Michael. Hey, Hi. Good to join you. Yeah, Please glad to have you. I think uh, there's there's a bit of a mix up on t start times. Thank that's you all right. Patience. I was I was just tap dancing for a while, but we're good to have, <laughs> glad to have you on. Um, I was Thank just talking sir. about about homelessness, but the first thing I wanted to actually yeah. cover with you is uh, a bright spot, and uh, we'll get to more about the homelessness and the site that's going up and the three sites that are planned, uh, the two in addition to the one that's going up. Um, but the first thing I want to hear about is the fact that there have been nine thousand jobs added uh, just in September, and this is pretty. I think giving people a good deal of cautious optimism in terms of economy and turnaround. So let's talk about the bright spot. Well, it certainly is encouraging. Uh, the challenge, of course, is you know where those jobs are going. And what we know about this pandemic is that it has deepened the divide that already exists in our valley. And we're particularly concerned about getting an awful lot of folks back to work who we know, for example, in the hotel industry, uh, those jobs are not going to come back for a long time. Uh, so, so certainly tech is going to continue to add jobs and that's great we want them to uh we're hoping we can have a broader recovery uh once we're able to get this pandemic behind us well you've also got more people getting uh homeless and being evicted because of the pandemic and i want to talk about how that's going to affect particularly some of the plans you're putting forward with respect to ameliorating the homeless problem but the the city right now in terms of its downtown remains closed about half of the city remains closed and that's of great concern it is certainly a lot of restaurants have suffered a lot of small businesses and uh you know we're doing everything we can to try to help folks open up their businesses outside we know there's real limits to that as the weather gets colder um, and we're certainly hoping that we can find safe alternatives to keep folks uh working but i think for cities throughout the country uh, we're recognizing that uh, these are 
ongoing challenges that are going to require major adaptations in how we live and work. And it's probably not going to be over uh, anytime in the near future. This is, you know, even with a vaccine, this, this pandemic will be with us for perhaps half a year, a year or longer. Well, there's been at least uh, gauged a steady decline in corona cases uh, in Santa Clara County as a whole since uh, they peaked back in late July. But there seems to be an uptick again. And I wonder if you could address that as well as the fact that you've got about 58 percent of the cases uh, among the Latino population, even though only, what, 26 percent of residents are Latinos? Yeah, the pandemic has really exposed those disparities in our community as with communities throughout the country. So the good news is I think as a whole, we're, we're doing reasonably well. And we moved uh, from purple to red to orange now, and we hope we'll stay in orange, although we're, we're seeing rising cases throughout the Bay Area in eight of the nine counties. And so we know that it's, it's perilous whether or not we're gonna be able to stay uh, in, that, uh, in, that, in, in that stage uh, as we continue to push to encourage folks to wear their masks. What is really particularly troubling though, is that we know in four or five zip codes is where we're seeing an overwhelmingly disproportionate impact. Positivity rates on testing among our Latinx residents are about six times higher uh, than the rest of our population. And we have a pretty good idea why that's happening. We know that uh, a lot of our residents who are struggling to afford to live here, maybe living you know, two or three families to a house, uh, that means it's a lot harder for people to be able to isolate and keep each other safe. Uh, and a lot of the spread, we think most of the spread is happening within the home and in social settings. And so uh, trying to find opportunities to isolate folks when they are positive is really critical. We're talking again about how San Jose is faring during the pandemic with Mayor of San Jose, Sam Licardo, who's with us on the line. And you can join us and are invited to do so if you have questions for the mayor or comments. The number again to call is 866-733-6786. I'll repeat that number. It's 866-733-6786. Or get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email any questions you may have for the mayor to forum at kqed.org. Let's zero in on uh, homelessness and what you're doing, particularly with these three emergency housing projects. Uh, I talked uh, briefly about the fact that the first one has gone up in record time. I mean, you've been able to move rather quickly and streamline it, and that in itself is... uh, it's pretty remarkable by many people's lights. Um, but there's been concerns, and I, I spoke about this before we got you on the air here, about uh, the failure with the trailer project, for lack of a better way to describe it, and concerns also about the fact that maybe this is going up too quickly. Yeah, all, all, all understandable concerns. So, you know, when, when the pandemic hit in March, we knew that our homeless population would be most vulnerable, and we had mandates certainly from the state to thin out our population in shelters because we know that because people were bunked up so closely to one another that homeless residents would be particularly vulnerable in that situation. We need to thin out the encampments as well to keep people safe. So the good news is that we have been moving at unbelievable speed. And I say we, I mean the County of Santa Clara, the city, a lot of nonprofit organizations working together. We've managed to house about 1,270 people into permanent housing that's not shelter, but actually getting them into permanent housing, which is pretty impressive over a short period of time, given the challenge of resources. And, and we moved uh, another 1,900 or so into shelters, another 1,000 or so into motels. The challenge, of course, is we know a lot of CARES Act money paid for that, and that money runs out, and then we got to figure out where to put people, uh, where they're going to be safe. And so what I started working on back in March when the governor announced that uh, he would be willing to 
to push some red tape out of the way at the state level was to see how we could build housing, emergency housing for the homeless rapidly using prefabricated and modular construction types that are less expensive and, and certainly a lot faster. And really because of the great support we got from Governor Newsom, uh, we're able to get underway on three projects, all three under construction. One is opened, another, the other two will be open in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and that will help us house more than 300 residents. And, and I think what's important about it is, you know, certainly, yes, we're doing it quickly. We built it in about four months, the first project, the next one will be within five. Uh, but that we're able to do it at about an, an eighth of the cost of a typical apartment building. We know how expensive it is to build in the Bay Area, about $700,000 per apartment unit. These are being built at about $85,000 a unit. And so what we're hoping we can prove up here is a model that can extend well beyond the pandemic to show that we can really get traction on this crisis that has afflicted all of our cities. Well, and we're talking about, uh, you say about 85,000 per unit? What will be the total that's, cost? That's right. Uh, so, uh, oh boy, I'll have to do the math on that one. But <laughs> We use $17 million of, of call state money called uh, HAP, H-A-A-P, uh, which was released by the governor earlier this year. And uh, we're gonna be applying some additional funds. We hope to get started on a fourth project in the next couple of months, if we can just nail down a few issues with the site. Again, we're talking with Mayor Sam Licardo and uh, we're talking not only about the pandemic, but about the homelessness situation in San Jose and what's been about 6,000, in fact, homeless presently, I think at last count close to that, Sam Licardo. That's right, yeah. And, uh, of course, being exacerbated by when the eviction moratorium ends and being exacerbated, of course, by the pandemic. Again, we do invite your involvement in the program. And if you have questions for the mayor or if you have some thoughts you want to join us with and join the conversation, please feel free to do that now at 866-733-6786. We'll break away for about a moment. We'll come back and take your calls and emails. Again, the number to join us, 866-733-6786. Or get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email us, forum at kqed.org. You're listening to the Forum Program on KQED Public Radio. I'm Michael Krasny. This is Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. Sam Licardo with us, the mayor of San Jose, and we're going to go to your calls and emails forthwith. I just had to mention, though, Mayor Licardo, and get your response to, well, I, I suppose, uh, for lack of a better word, the failure of the trailer project. Uh, there were some yeah. serious problems. I mentioned that earlier, and I just wanted to uh, get your thoughts about it, particularly since there were charges of lack of transparency and lack of accountability. Yeah, this was, I think, the very first week of the pandemic. We got a call from the state saying, hey, we have some trailers. Uh, do you guys want them? And this was at a time when, of course, we were all panicked trying to figure out how we were going to get homeless out of shelters where they were vulnerable uh, into places where they could be individually housed. Uh, so we happily took the trailers as many other cities did. It just so happened the trailers that we got were not particularly in great state of repair and cost us an enormous amount of money uh, to be able to repair to get into a state in which they were habitable. Uh, and rather than wait for the state to repair them, we felt that we had to move quickly. And so we spent the money to do it ended up being just a real challenge. Uh, we knew that the people we were housing there under the state regulations had to be folks with a lot of uh, medical vulnerabilities, and yet the trailers themselves weren't very accessible for those who had physical limitations. So there are just a lot of problems in deployment. I don't blame the state. I think the deployments work well in other areas. Uh, the problem was we just got a bad batch. And so, you know, what we're learning through this pandemic is, is 
you, you got to move fast because this is a crisis. And in Silicon Valley, we believe in taking risks. We think we have to do that, particularly when you're dealing with a crisis like homelessness, because if you don't take risks, you're guaranteed to lose. You're just guaranteed that people are going to continue to suffer unless you can change, uh, change your approach somehow. And so some things we've tried have worked very well. You know, for example, converting motels into permanent housing. We started that in 2016. The governor is now doing it statewide, and it's wonderfully successful. Uh, this prefab modular construction is going very well. Other things we've tried don't work well. Uh, we've learned about the trailers, and, and in Silicon Valley, we fail forward. We learn our lessons, and uh, we pivot and tr try new things. And what do you say to somebody like uh, David uh, Nettemeyer, who I mentioned before, the founder of this group that's prepared to sue the city uh, over the homeless encamp buildings that you're uh, projecting? Uh, he represents about a thousand San Jose citizens and says this is short term budgeting for a long term proposal that doesn't this simply is not going to be successful. He calls it a recipe for disaster. Well, as with all pilots and uh, all efforts to innovate in Silicon Valley, uh, you'll never know until we're, we actually try it. Uh, and so we're trying it now and we have to innovate. The same approach that we've been employing for decades to deal with homelessness is not working. It's clear that we certainly need an awful lot more on the human side in terms of dealing uh, with drug rehabilitation and mental health. But in terms of the actual construction of housing, we're not going to solve a problem for a county with 10,000 homeless people, as Santa Clara County has. We're not going to solve that $700,000 at a time. And you build apartment buildings the same old way, that's fine, but that's now a $7 billion uh, budget you need to go find. And we can't tax people fast enough to be able to build affordable housing that way. So we have to think differently. So I understand the lawsuits are going to come. People are going to I, I get it. And this is all going to be done in public. It's going to be uh, certainly open to criticism. We're going to be as transparent as we can be. But we've got to take risks if we're going to really be able to tackle this problem. And we should mention Project Homekeep has, uh, by the governor's lights, put forward about $200 million more to house the homeless. Yeah, a great program, by the way. It's an approach we started adopting back in 2016. Uh, so when the governor said he was interested in funding it, we were enthusiastically supporting it, along with the mayors of other uh, 12 major cities. We were working with the governor extensively on these on these programs. And and I'm, I'm grateful that in a very difficult budget situation, I think probably the hardest any governor has faced uh, in, in generations, uh, Governor Newsom stepped up and said, we're committing money for homelessness because we recognize this is the state's greatest problem. So uh, we're, we've got two of those motels underway here in San Jose, and we hope um, we'll be able to get more underway. Well, I've got some comments coming in about homekeeping. Let's bring some callers in first, uh, and let's uh, go to you, Tanya. Thank you for waiting. You're on the air. Yes, hi. My name's Tanya Smiley, and I actually live in the area where the trailer project um, failed, uh, behind the Happy Hollow Park area, those homes along the Coyote Creek area, which has been... Uh, named the jungle for some time. My questions are, now that you know that the trailer project failed, what are you going to do about cleaning it up? Because those homeless people that you house there are in abundance. They are not in the trailers anymore. They're now living in the Coyote Creek in between the houses and the Happy Hollow Park. There's drug sales there as soon as it gets dark. There's people taking Ubers there to come and buy drugs. The crime in that area is crazy. I'm 
afraid for my mom's safety at night. We have to worry about the people walking through the area with shopping carts, looting cars. So I appreciate the effort to try to attempt to uh, help the homeless. But what about the neighborhood that you've left behind? How are you going to clean that up? And how can we feel safe and be able to allow our children to play outside uh, comfortably? Tanya, thank you for the question. Mayor Licardo. Yeah, Tanya's concern I know is shared by many. And, and let me just say first, one of the great challenges we have in this pandemic, as we wrestle with the reality of thousands of our neighbors that are living outside, we know that many of them are simply trying to survive. Others we know are involved in criminal activity. And, and obviously that requires police enforcement. That's why I've been working hard to rebuild our department. We've added more than 300 officers in the last, in the last four years. Uh, but because of health directives that have come down uh, from the county, the state, and the federal government, all of them say you really should not be moving people when they're in encampments, because if you do so, you're now increasing the risk of COVID spreading. And we've got public health folks who are out there trying to do testing and make sure that they're they're keeping folks safe. Um, we are severely constrained in how we're able to manage encampments. And so what we're shifting this in a significant way this week is really trying to focus on the public safety impacts where encampments have direct impacts. For example, obviously, if they're blocking the right of way, if people are, are out you know, blocking a sidewalk, uh, but obviously, most importantly, if they're starting fires and if there are reports of crime, then we have to do something more directly. Uh, and so we are taking more proactive measures in that situation. But the, the, the real challenge, I think, for cities throughout the state is we, we're a bit handcuffed in terms of our ability to move people from one location to another because of the nature of the health directives. So the only thing we can do is do a better job of cleaning up the blight and the trash. And there's a couple of programs we've launched in the last year. I think they're very promising. One that has employed uh, about 60 homeless individuals full-time into working and cleaning up the city. And they're earning money working for downtown streets team and Goodwill. And several of those folks have now gotten permanent jobs as a result of that work. And we've also started a cash for trash program, I think is pretty interesting, uh, where we're paying homeless individuals who are living in the encampments for every bag of trash that they collect and turn back into us. Uh, and what we're finding is they're, they're able to keep it a lot cleaner uh, than having a lot of city responding. And, and we know it's, it's, it's a never ending battle in trying to maintain uh, in the surrounding neighborhoods. And so we're expanding that program in partnership with MasterCard using reloadable cards that they can use to purchase food. It can't be used at liquor stores or other places. And we think that may be a promising path, at least to manage some of the blight situation that we know uh, surrounds many of these encampments. That sounds like a good, innovative idea. Trash for cash. I like it. Uh, let me bring another caller on here. Sarah joins us next. Sarah, good morning. Yeah, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Um, so hotel and hospitality workers may not go back to work for many months, um, as you mentioned in the beginning. L.A. and Oakland pass recall protections for these workers. Will you commit to pass recall protections so that workers' jobs are protected and people can go back to their jobs as the business come back? Um, that's important, I think, as companies to make sure companies won't discriminate and de deny longtime workers their livelihood. Thank you, Sarah. Mayor Licardo. Sarah, yeah, I appreciate the question. Uh, I'm not willing to commit to that. Uh, we were the first city in the country uh, to push for tenant protections to prohibit evictions of tenants uh, when the pandemic hit. Uh, I'm very concerned about us getting involved after the pandemic to decide how companies hire and don't hire at a time, particularly when many of those businesses are themselves on their last leg. 
Uh, I think the best thing we can do is try to get out of the way for employers to be able to hire as quickly and as much as they possibly can. And I don't believe in, in implying more regulation that I think is really going to constrict their ability to, to, uh, to get going again. Let me go. Thanks, Sarah, for the call and go to some tweets and emails here. Jessica tweets a question for you, Mayor Licardo, and says, I just heard Mayor Licardo wanted his local school districts to have the political will to reopen schools. Could you ask that he expand on that comment, Mayor Licardo? Oh, thank you. Yeah. So there's no question that for many families, they believe their children should stay home. Uh, parents you want to keep their parents home, and that's that's certainly their choice, and they should. We know that there are many teachers who may have health conditions that prevent them from being in a classroom, and they should certainly continue to teach online. But uh, along with the mayors of the other 13 major cities, we issued a letter uh, last week uh, to the superintendent of schools, Tony Thurman, and the governor saying, look, we know that the children who are impacted the most by school shutdowns are children of color and low-income children. And we know that this achievement gap is only widening. We know that affluent kids do very well with distance learning. We also know that affluent kids are more likely to be in private schools that have reopened. And we know that too many low-income families are facing the really horrible choice, you know, a single mom deciding whether to, to work to put food on the table or to have to care for her kids. And what we're seeing in the data among elementary school children, certainly nationally, Atlantic had a recent article on this study at Brown University, is that there's very little contagion spread within elementary schools for children that are 10 or under. And so we think there's a real opportunity here if we can just get the political will uh, to try to get more elementary schools open. Uh, obviously, we want to do it safely. That means we have to dedicate the resources. And I think the governor stepped up in a big way a couple of weeks ago announcing uh, they're going to make 600 million masks available. They're going to uh, upgrade testing considerably. I think they'll be able to test 150,000 a day with a facility that they're getting up and running. And so as we get these resources aligned, those resources should be focused entirely on getting elementary public schools open and open safely. Uh, and again, I know that some may not return. Uh, we understand some teachers can't go back in the classroom, but those who can should, because there's no reason why we should have bars open. We should have casinos and card clubs open, and we can't have our public schools open. This is a serious civil rights issue, as I see it, for our, our poorest families. As long as we're talking about children and school, they, back to the homeless uh, building that's going on, the Evans Lane Project, designed for children, designed for families, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, of the three projects, we're, we're doing this rapid build effort with uh, one of them will be for, for families. Obviously, it's a huge unmet need. Uh, and so we're going to learn a lot through this project and hopefully it'll be open, I think, in three weeks. Uh, so we look forward to having the families there. How are you going to measure success? That's a great question. Uh, for the, the immediate success, of course, will be helping uh, those uh, who are medically vulnerable get into isolated housing. So that will be immediate success because they'll be safe. The long term success, of course, is what's most important. Uh, I expect that at least two, if not all three of these will be used for what we call transitional housing, uh, meaning families will be there for six, nine, 12 months at a time. And the real success is, are we able to get them stably housed into permanent housing in the long run? Uh, and that is to be determined. Uh, we've been trying that, for example, with tiny homes in a couple locations in our city. Uh, transitional housing is really critical for us to be able to provide that link uh, for folks, for example, those who have a voucher or maybe can pay their first month's rent but simply don't have a place to be in the meantime, uh, we find that an awful lot of, for example, veterans with VASH vouchers were 
were waiting a month or two out on the street because they didn't we didn't have the uh, uh, the inventory of apartments to be able to put them into. So this is really critical to provide that transitional step. Our guest is Mayor San Licardo, Mayor of San Jose. Let me go to uh, some more emails and tweets here. This is Noel who tweets, the governor's project home key is being planned in my neighborhood. I support this since we have to deal with homelessness, but many neighbors are opposed and are afraid of the homeless people camping out in their neighborhood. How can you reassure the neighbors that there is enough supervision of the residents? Yeah, that's an important question. And, you know, we're seeing the battles all throughout the Bay Area. I think quite famously, Milpitas is threatening to sue this, the county of Santa Clara and the state over the use of a motel in that city. Uh, you know, we were very public in saying if Milpitas doesn't want the money, we'll take it. <laughs> we want to get <laughs> our homeless residents housed. Um, I, I look at it two ways. First, yes, we do need to have good management of these developments of these communities. And in cases where we need to have security, we, we pay for security to assure residents. But I think what we're gonna find over time is that the security isn't all that necessary. What we just need is good management of the community uh, because uh, when people are housed, uh, there is very little to fear. <laughs> that is, they are, their needs are fundamentally taken care of. And then it's just a question of helping them get back on their feet. Um, what I do know is that what's much more unsafe for all of us is having residents out on the street where they're vulnerable and frankly desperate. And you know, far be it from any of us to judge anyone else uh, for stealing because they need to survive. Uh, but we know that is the reality for some. And I, I'm not justifying it. I'm simply saying that is the reality. And, and so the best thing we can do for our safety collectively is to get people housed. Here's a question from a listener named Marjorie it says, how would continuing work from home affect anti-sprawl initiatives such as San Jose's urban villages plan? And what would the impact be to local businesses like retail and restaurants? That's a really important question that's uh, being very publicly debated right now. I think a couple of weeks ago, the Metropolitan Transportation Commission came out with a very controversial proposal that would suggest we would mandate that 60 percent of workers in, in large employ, employment situations, that 60% that, that of them work from home on any given day. Uh, and you can imagine there were a lot of concerns from a lot of employers uh, because this work from home business is certainly working for some, uh, and, uh, but it's still something of an experiment. And I think what we know about, particularly in creative industries and innovative industries, is that there is value in having creative, smart people working together. Uh, and those creative collisions that people have in the break room uh, or in, in the elevator are really important. Having engineers and designers um, uh, talking to one another, that is critical. And there's no, Zoom is a wonderful company, but there's no way of, of, of artificially uh, creating uh, that environment in which you have a lot of bright folks working in proximity with one another. And so I think many employers I'm hearing from are telling me just that. They recognize the, the imperative of the pandemic. We'll do what we need to do to keep people safe. Uh, but when it is safe, uh, they would like to get people back in the same facility again. Now, it's not to say it's, things aren't going to change. There'll, there'll more folks will be working from home, undoubtedly. And I think that's particularly a good thing if we're concerned about the environment and traffic and so forth. Uh, but uh, I'm confident that we're going to continue to be a valley uh, where uh, employers are going to want smart people working together. 
And as long as that's the case, that means uh, we should not assume that the traffic will always be so light. We need to continue to invest in transit. That's why I'm supporting Measure RR and Caltrain. Uh, we need to do all we can uh, to continue our efforts around smart growth to build densely near transit. We got seconds left here. What inspires that confidence that you just alluded to? Uh, the confidence in our, our ultimate rebound? Yeah. You know, this is an incredible place we live in in the Bay Area. We are the most innovative community in the planet in so many ways. And there's no question that this pandemic has has shook us and there are many thousands of us who are struggling mightily. Uh, but I have an enormous confidence in our ability to overcome. And, and we're not going to we're not going to stop being the Bay Area and stop being Silicon Valley because of a pandemic or because of a recession. We'll stop being who we are if we fail to keep looking to the future. And because we are so future oriented, I am confident we'll survive and thrive. Good note to end. Mayor Licardo, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate your being with us. Thank you, Michael. It was a pleasure. That's Mayor Sam Licardo, who is mayor of San Jose. We're going to break away for just a moment or so. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about prisons, particularly about an inspector general report about prisons that you'll want to hear about, as well as what's going on in San Quentin. That's next on Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.